Hi there, and welcome to the Love or Leave the Law podcast with your hosts, Adam Olette and Casey Berman. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Love or Leave the Law podcast. Uh, this is Casey Berman with uh, my partner, Adam Olette. Adam, say hi. Hey there. Welcome. All right. Uh, thank you for coming back. As you notice, I got a new headset on uh, to make the audio clearer. Uh, very excited about it. I sound, I sound and look very professional. And also, uh, you know, you can watch us on YouTube, but also if you're listening uh, just to the audio, uh, we want to make sure we come across as crisp as possible. We so, look like we work at a call center, but uh, the audio is much better this way, guys. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So I am very excited about uh, today's episode, uh, which might stretch out into, into a few others. But today we have Gabe Rothman. Um, who is a dear friend of mine, uh, someone who I've worked with uh, in the past through uh, Leave Law Behind, uh, which is my uh, site and community to help uh, attorneys leave the law. And today we're going to talk to Gabe about um, his experience in leaving the law. Uh, Gabe is a fellow alum of University of California Hastings College of Law, where I went. Uh, we met back in uh, 2009. Uh, Gabe was in uh, construction litigation, moving from someone who was unhappy practicing the law and, and just not sure um, where he was going to do uh, within the law to becoming really a rising star in technology. He's here in San Francisco, particularly in the uh, mobile security space, um, and has now actually just taken on a new role that they will be excited to hear about. Um, so, Gabe, welcome. So happy to have you. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, glad to be here. So um, everyone, Gabe is, uh, uh, you know, someone that I mentioned that, that I uh, worked with, and he's going to really provide some extremely valuable insights around mindset, um, how, to, how to think through things, how to face fears, as well as some real uh, actionable tactics um, around those who, if, if you're looking to, uh, to leave the law. So I want to dive in. Um, you know, Gabe, maybe if I missed anything in the intro, um, maybe tell us a bit about what you're doing now over the next uh, – and, and a little background on, on where you've been over, over the, mm -hmm. the past few years, and then, and then I'll dive in with, with some actual questions for you. Sounds good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I could start with um, the first job I had when I, when I actually left, and then we can get into how that all transpired. Um, so the first job I had – um, outside of the law was at a company called Blue Wolf, which has, uh, within the last year or so, been acquired by IBM, actually. Blue Wolf is a um, uh, cloud applications consultancy specializing in the Salesforce ecosystem and marketing automation solutions. Um, I got that job. Um, actually, my, my wife made the connection for me uh, with the, uh, the folks over there, but... Um, right. And we'll get into tactically how, how that happened. But, but I got that job after about 10 months of searching um, after I decided to officially uh, make the jump. And I was there for a year and a half. I started out as a quote-unquote consultant, uh, moved to a senior consultant after about six months. And then um, by the end, I was uh, what's called an engagement manager. So I was actually running a team of 15 people um, for about the last six months I was there. Um, at that point, one of my clients, who was the director of sales operations at a company called OpenDNS. Um, OpenDNS is a, um, a cloud-based um, um, security platform. They do like web filtering and monitoring 
um, on web traffic, that kind of stuff. So he left OpenDNS and took a job at a company called PagerDuty. PagerDuty is a developer operations infrastructure platform. It monitors um, you know, data warehouses, websites, all the backend infrastructure behind um, a company's website and product. Um, and it sends alerts when you have downtime and, and, um, and the like. Um, so he took the job there and recruited me um, to join him. And I had always had a, a goal of going in-house, working for a tech company. Right. Blue Wolf was a, a great place to work, um, but it was, uh, it was a little bit of a stepping stone for me to getting into an actual startup. So that was my first startup experience. And I was there at, for... At Blue Wolf, you were kind of consulting for other companies. And then Correct. at PagerDuty, you were able to kind of go in-house to a company and do the technical work for them, for the product. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I had over the time, over the 18-ish months that I was at Blue Wolf, I worked with, I think, eight or nine different companies. Yeah. Um, and that was actually great. That was, you know... Uh, I think you've you've referred to it in the past as sort of my like leaving the law MBA, right? Yes. I um I got experience with a slew of different companies, business models, company sizes. I mean, I I had at the at the very large end, I worked with Chevron, was a right, client. right. Um, and at the very very small end, um, we worked with um, the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Right. Gabe, what kind of uh, stuff did you do as a lawyer? What 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 was the work you did when you were in the law? Um, I did uh, my first law job was a defense um, insurance defense in the construction defect litigation. Uh, so arena. like, so you were litigating quite a bit, huh? Correct, hmm. correct. And then my my second job was a plaintiff side role <laughs> so in the same general you had area. Both ends of it. I had both ends of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the plaintiff side was was a little better, um, but still wasn't, uh, it just wasn't the right fit for me. Um, so uh, uh, after after PagerDuty, um, my, well, while I was at PagerDuty, my boss, the guy that recruited me there, who was the director of sales operations at OpenDNS, he left and went to a company called Lookout. Uh, Lookout is a mobile device security platform. Um and he recruited me to join him there after about, um, I don't know, it was like maybe four months once he got settled in. So I jumped at that opportunity, um, not because there was anything wrong with PagerDuty. PagerDuty is a phenomenal company. I loved it there. But um, as many of you probably know, finding a good boss can be challenging. There's a lot of crappy people to work for out there. Yeah. And, and this guy and I, his name is David Hong. He and I have a really sort of a, a, a effective, tight working style. Yeah, um, we really we really sort of uh, jive with each other well. Um, so uh, so I took the job at, at Lookout, um, and I was there for almost two years. Uh, and I, I for, fortunately and unfortunately. Um, was offered an opportunity um, about two months ago um, to take a role um, as the first employee of a brand new company. And that was a really hard decision, to be honest. Yeah. Lookout is also a phenomenal company. Um, and it was the first time in my sort of the startup kind of portion of my my second career that I was parting ways with David, which was hard because... He's a great mentor. He's been a great boss, a good friend, 
Um, and it was hard to tell him, Hey man, I, you know, I got, I got to do this you yeah. know? and, and to leave him a little bit in the lurch, um, in terms of, uh, the work that I was doing with him and, and for him, but we've worked it out. I'm doing some consulting work with lookout to help sort of smooth the transition until they find a full-time person. So when they have issues come up, I kind of do a little bit on the side. I mean, I think that's part of the part of the biggest problem that we have even trying to leave the law is that we get these jobs, we we have partners and we don't want to go to them and say, hey, guess what? I'm going to go do something else. I know that, uh, Casey, you've had that issue leaving jobs in the past and we all have that. But, Gabe, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you liked and didn't like about being a lawyer? And we're going to move into then your path out of the law. Sure. So. Um, I would say my favorite thing about being a lawyer was um, just the, I guess I would say research and writing because that's the component of being an attorney that's the most intellectual, right? Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that's the most similar to what you're doing in law school, which I I don't know how uh, everyone out there felt about law school. I'm sure there's a huge variety of opinions, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought law school was awesome. Um, it was really mentally stimulating and engaging. You know, you're learning um, about all of these different cases and going through all the sort of mental exercises of of breaking it down. And that was the stuff that really um, spoke to me. Uh, unfortunately, as we all know, um, that aspect of being a lawyer is about like five percent of the job. Yeah, yeah um, very very little, which is good because I really didn't like law school. <laughs> I need. Mean, you know, Gabe, one thing that I like about with the story that you just told about how you've moved on is you had no idea that was going to happen. And I think one of the keys of leaving the law is is a level of faith, is a level mm-hmm. of not needing your headlights to see all the way home, just being right. able to see at night how, uh, you know, 30, 50 feet ahead of you, but knowing you're going to get home. And I think you yep. knew that when you really started doing the work on Unique Genius and then you got Blue Wolf, like your confidence started to build. You started to align with this new thing, tech mm-hmm. stuff, cloud, like you started to really get momentum. And and there was whether you knew it or not, there was this shift in your mindset of I don't need to know exactly where I'm going. I don't mm-hmm. need to know whether I'm be partner in 7.75 years. I don't need to know this. It's all going to take care of itself. I'm going to flow. And and I really admire you for that. I think it's a huge leap of faith that many of us empirical intellectual attorneys just can't make. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but go. I was thinking about that as you're going through your story that you didn't know what was going to unfold next. But look what's happened. Right. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, and part of that, I, I will say part of that is intrinsic to the industry I landed in. And, and by yeah. that, I mean, um you know, when you're a lawyer, I think the notion of the quote unquote five year plan, that's a real thing as an attorney. Like you can have a five year plan as a lawyer, right? Right. You can say, oh, I'm going to work hard and, you know, I'll move up to senior associate and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And maybe I'll make partner in seven years or in eight years, whatever, right? That's, that's a thing that you can do. And, and you can do that to some extent um, in technology, um, you know, especially if you're, you know, I don't know, you're a developer or whatever. There are certainly, um, somewhat defined tracks, but the one thing about, uh, especially in the Bay Area, the, the the world of these these tech companies is um, there are so many companies out there, so many companies starting all the time, and and there's so much competition for talent in the Bay Area that um, 
you don't have to have a plan. And in fact, if you, if you constrain yourself too much, you may be missing out on opportunities. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that, that, that you can, um, analogize my experience to other industries, certainly. Yeah. Um, but, but it, it was definitely part of being in tech that I was like, look, I'm just going to do this. There's going to be opportunities out there. I'm going to see where this takes me. And, and yeah, as those opportunities come up, I'll evaluate them, um, you know, on an opportunity by opportunity basis. And, and I think what's huge is what you just said about the need for talent. Um, I'm in the Bay Area, uh, but, you know, all over, whether it's New York, whether it's uh, North Carolina, whether it's L.A., whether it's Seattle or anywhere tech and, and out, you know, there's a real need for good, good talent. And I think that's something, you know, we attorneys see transactional jobs, litigation jobs, and that's the world. And it, right. it's so much more nuanced than that. There's so there is such a need for things that attorneys can do. Yeah, there's Absolutely. also there is a need for lawyers to embrace technology and move the profession forward in ways that nobody's doing yet. Now, there are companies yeah. that are doing automating a lot of stuff that lawyers <clears throat> do. And I think that mm -hmm. internally we can start to embrace technology a lot more. I was reading an article by the ABA this morning saying that if we don't embrace the change that's coming to the profession, there's going to be a lot of pain for the lawyers that are in the profession now. And I think, you know, Gabe, you, you are a testament to what exactly we need. We need lawyers to connect with what it is they love, whether it's helping the profession or get out of the profession and yeah. do something like you're doing. But I think, you know, you are a testament to embracing the fact that you wanted to get out. You wanted to change mm -hmm. and moving out in a way that it didn't seem like you had a ton of fear. And I think that's probably what stops most people in their tracks is the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Talk to us a little yeah. bit about how you dealt with that fear and, and the unknown part of it and how you were able to move past it. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, some of it is just, just being afraid and just, <laughs> just kind of accepting like, okay, I'm absolutely terrified, but I'm more terrified of what my life is going to look like if I'm do still doing exactly. this in 20 years. Yes. Right. So it's, uh, yeah. to some extent it was a lesser of two evils kind of a thing, but, um, you know, how do I put this? The first time around when I, when I tried to leave, when Casey and I first met, I would say, interestingly, I wasn't afraid enough. Mm. If that makes sense. It does which make is a lot why, of sense. Which is why I ended up back in the law. Oh, right? so you, you did a, you did a shift a stint back in the law after you left. Okay. I did. So I, yeah. I quit my first litigation job at um, the defense firm and that's when I met Casey. And Casey and I, um, uh, I met him at a, at a panel at Hastings, and then I was in the inaugural Leave the Law Behind class. Nice. And um, that was awesome. It was, well, it was like three months, I think, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, I, 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 I think I was maybe like six months after I left that, that first job, I, you know, tried to... You know, I was I was targeting technology um, that first time around too. Um, part of that stems all the way back to when I first moved to San Francisco in 2000 after I graduated from uh, undergrad. Um, my goal was to get a job in tech, but as we all know, the year 2000 was not a very good year for tech. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that sort of delayed that plan. But um, <clears throat> I think 
circling back to to the first time I left, uh, I think, you know, when I say I wasn't afraid enough, um, I didn't, I wasn't resolved, right? I didn't have enough fear of what would happen to me if I, if I stayed in the law, like psychologically, emotionally. And so I, I tried, but I definitely had one foot in, one foot out in that effort. Um, and I had a friend who I had worked at with the firm that I had left, who subsequently left and took a job at the plaintiff side firm that I ended up at. Um, and uh, about six months in, you know, I didn't really have any traction with the um, with the new job. There was nothing that really looked promising. And he reached out and said, "Hey, you know, we're looking for a new associate. We need someone, you know, to do um, all this stuff on the plaintiff side." And I said, "Okay, well, why don't I? I'll come in for an interview." I could use the money. So I yeah. went in and I interviewed. And the guy that I interviewed with and ended up working for was a great guy, um, really uh, smart, uh, talented attorney. And, you know, I, it was a combination of, okay, well, this guy's cool. And, and, you know, maybe I'll give this a try. Maybe the plaintiff side will, will be better. And, and, you know, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a big bump from where I was um, uh, in terms of salary at my last job. So mm-hmm. I took that job. Um, and for a while, it was a lot better. I enjoyed it a lot more. You know, on the plaintiff side, especially when your when your clients are not insurance companies, you get to do more. Um, you get to more do more substantive legal work, right? When you're when your clients are insurance companies, you're you know you're writing tender letters to construction subs and just yeah. doing a lot of mechanical yeah. um, stuff. And um, at least on the plaintiff side, there was more. I spent more time in court. I did more writing, right? More. I did several um, uh, oppositions to motions for summary judgment, and um, there was just more more of that type of stuff. And there, was, but there was still a lot of you know annoying mechanical work. You know, I don't like civil discovery is was one of the things. Speaking of the things that that I don't like about law, civil discovery yeah. was probably number one on the list. Civil discovery is horrible. Yeah, not um, fun. I, no. I remember when you went back, you had kind of a. a, a feeling of relief you know it was tough to be out there it was in 09 you had left the law tried it contract work was hard you went back and then you felt like okay i'm gonna give it another shot my mom will be happy <laughs> i'm happy my ego's happy i'm making money yep. okay and yep. then what happened so like i said it was great for uh, about a year and um i think a lot of it now in retrospect um, there was a small por- portion of it that had to do with the work a lot of it had to do with the guy I was working for. Um, he was awesome. Great mentor, really smart, good guy. Um, and he left the firm to start his own firm. And it was brand new. He couldn't take me with him. He didn't have the uh, – he was partnering with two guys at an existing firm, and they were going to join forces, and they just were not bringing on associates at that time. It just wasn't in the business plan. But he was – you know, he said, look, when the time comes, I absolutely would like to bring you on. Um, so I was put under a new, uh, not a new partner, an existing partner, but new to me. And uh, she was a nightmare. <laughs> um, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Let's name, and, not, uh, not name any names, huh? I'm not going to name right. any names. I'm not going to name any names. But she was a nightmare. And now, Gabe, and, uh, so many of our listeners are in that situation. I mean, yeah. they know what, what triggered, what happened. Um, oh, for me? Yeah, like, now that you're under was, this was woman, the last your, life, 
Your life has changed, yeah. Because I mean, the camel's back, yeah. What, what was we're all that time? Head going horrible, boss. I know exactly what you mean. I'm yes, there so right I was now. Living right? under somebody that that was not not only was not a positive factor in my day to day, was now a significant negative factor mm. in my day to day. And once that was gone, all of the negatives about these substantive work started to come back. Right. Yeah. It's a lot easier when you have somebody who's supportive and is a great mentor and you enjoy working for to overlook some of the things that you're not so happy about in terms of uh, the work you're doing or other aspects of the job. But once that's gone, it was it was, you know, it was like Groundhog's Day. Right. It was every day the same awful thing with no end in sight. Well, regardless, um, the question that I have for you now is your heart really wasn't in the law, whether you're defense side, plaintiff side, even though it was a bit better with this mentor guy that you liked. It wasn't like you jumped out of bed and said, oh, my God, I can't wait to get to work, and I love this career that I've chosen, and I'm so glad I went to law school. That wasn't it for you, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah, that was never – it was never something I I loved or even really particularly liked to do. Um, What's crazy is even with a woman who was not a great boss, like all of these things arose, you saw it, like there was nothing good about it. But with the guy who was a good boss, like Adam was pointing out, it sort of covered up all the other areas that just weren't really in alignment with you. Right. Yeah, Yeah, it did. Um, So, um, yeah, so, you know, once I hit my breaking point, um, which was about six months later, um, at that point... I, w- I had reached the point where I've told you about this before, Casey. Yeah. Um, I had reached the point where um, I call it the the Sunday night test. Really simple test. At 9 p.m. on Sunday night, what is your emotional state of mind? Right. Right. I like it. And, I like it. Yeah. And I had I had reached the point where literally every Sunday night was just I was I would have like anxiety attacks. Yeah. You know, I'd be sitting there, I'd be trying to relax and, and hang out with my, my, um, uh, at that time, girlfriend, now wife and watch TV, just enjoy each other's company. And my head was not there. I was yeah. elsewhere. I was stressed out and, and just unhappy every Sunday night. Mm. And, and wow. it got to the point, honestly, where it was starting <clears throat> Saturday night. Ooh. You know? like, yeah. Like, you know, the closer we got to Monday was just, yeah. So well, isn't there like point, an over overlying feeling of malaise and irritation and aggravation? It's it's like all the time. It doesn't stop. It's not as overwhelming as it would be on a Sunday or even a Saturday to you. But well, that's for sure. For me, it was a lot of years. It was like, uh, and and I had my own firm. I was my own boss, and and until I found what I really liked about the law, it was just like it was this buzzing in the background that never went away and. And it until I made the decision, hey, I'm going to either love what I'm doing with the law or I'm going to get the hell out until I made that decision. And I did find loads of ways that I loved it, but it just continued until I made the decision that I was only going to work on stuff that I really, really enjoyed. And it's not a real fun place to be. It's it's actually no. No. Uh, very stressful. It's uh, it's kind of sad, really. I mean, and, and, yeah, it is. and there's so many lawyers that are living from this place. And this is one of the reasons we started this podcast, because we do have a big problem as a profession in that the majority of us were where you were, Gabe. And yeah. so why, why are yeah. you here today? Because you are our poster child. You, you're, you're Casey's poster child as a, a, a guy, a poster man, not a child, right? But you are, you are what <laughs> okay. a lot of the people that come to Casey strive yeah. to be. And so yeah. 
Let's move this forward a little bit. How did you figure out what that, as Casey calls it, unique genius? Where, where did you, how did you get to that point? And I know he was a big help with that, but tell us about the process to you finding that place where now you, you really enjoy what you're doing. So uh, I, I will, I mean, I will preface this by saying um, that some of it is taking a leap of faith. Some of it. And I don't want to, you know, <clears throat> I don't want anyone, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I don't want anyone to have the illusion that you're going to find uh, a magical thing that you know for a fact is your unique genius. And if you do that, it's going to make you happy. Yeah, that's, that's um, right. Um, you know, it's kind of like I would liken it to, um, you know, back when I was in college, you know, when I was trying to figure out what do I want to do for a living or what do I want to major in. You know, people always tell you, oh, find your passion, find your passion, find your passion, right? That's like a thing that, that I was told numerous times. And I think that that's a great um, analogy for how to find what you want to do, right? Find something that, that from a skill set perspective or from um, a day-to-day, -day, you know, just doing things per perspective that, that, you know, stimulates you. Um, but I think a lot of people, and me in particular, misinterpret what that means right yeah um find your passion to me was like oh i gotta find the thing that just i just love makes me you know i love to do and for me when i was in college that was like oh i'm into sports i should like try to get a job working at a you know a sports agency or whatever so you know it, it resulted in these very unrealistic expectations of what a job might be right and i and i pursued perfection at the expense of good Right. Right. Great. Because right. because, you know, let's be honest, like. Having a job, there are aspects no matter what your job is, having a job sucks sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Right. Every job. You know, if if, if we all had a choice, I'm sure most of us would choose to sit my ties on a white sand beach somewhere forever. Right. But, you know, instead that of gets a job. old, too, because I lived in Fort Lauderdale and I lived right <laughs> near the beach and I could go there anytime and sit my ties. And I can tell you that. Even when I do go on cruises now, I mean, I live in the mountains. I go on cruises. I, the beach, you know, so every, anything will get old. But I agree with you. But right. I, I think at a certain point, we realize that there are things about our careers that we like and don't like. And, and so when, when you, you hear that tag phrase, find your passion, I've yeah. talked to a lot of people about leaving the law, not as many as Casey, but I've talked to quite a few over the years. <laughs> In working towards writing the book I wrote and all the work I'm going to do, and, and part of it is really what gets you juiced? You know, what right. kind of stuff do you yeah. like to work on? And, and you said it, Gabe, at the beginning of this call, and that was, you know what, I really liked the research and writing. I liked the stimulation of my mind. And if your job, your career, and, and the problem is the word job connotates, uh, I don't, you know, it's, I've got a job. It yep. really is about a career. I mean, that's yep. for yep. me, that's the, that's the word that I like to use. But when you look at what drives people in terms of their, um, their mentality and what they love doing, if you're not doing a majority of what you really love doing, then you need to probably go to work for yourself. And that's part right. parcel. You know, Casey and I have these new businesses that we, we, we are in charge of. And there is stuff still that I do 
that I don't want to do. And uh, we're actively uh, working with virtual assistants all over the world to help us to do that stuff. And so for me, yep. it's about either being able to delegate what you don't like doing so that you can yep. work on more of what you like. But if you have a, a career where you're working for someone and they're telling you what to do, um, then maybe it's time to talk to your boss about getting some help to yeah. have you only working on what you really love. I Right. I remember when Gabe, you know, when you and it, this is one of the issues that I know with people who leave the law is is kind of crossing that chasm. This is the big deal. Like, how do I find my unique genius? How do I right. find these skills and strengths? You know, I, I, I write briefs. I speak in front of judges. I review contracts. Um, I do research. Are you telling me that the world really wants that? outside of the law? No way, Casey. And the answer is yes. Yes, yeah. they do. And it's how you position it. And I remember getting, right. when you positioned it, um, you started, uh, in, when you were looking at, at, at Blue Wolf and mm -hmm. in the beginning, you know, it became that you were able to take these skills that you had of managing a trial, of managing a lot of disparate pieces of information, and we were able to align them with non-law jobs out there, whether it's yep. a project manager, um, your interpersonal skills, right. checking your ego at the door. You know, a lot of these things where you would say, really, is that in the job description? And and it really is. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that's and that's ultimately what I think finding your passion means. It's the same thing as finding your unique genius. That's what it means. It means yeah. find the thing, and it doesn't have to be the exact um, the exact same skill. So when we started going through the exercise together, we first identified that research and writing was something that I enjoyed, right? right. Now, on its face, research and writing doesn't have any obvious connection to architecting uh, right. solutions in in Salesforce and uh, general like sales operations right. uh, process, right? But if you break it down, it's very similar. And 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 by that I mean when you have to write a brief, when you're researching a brief, you have to go through and find all of the relevant case law, all the statutory law, all the precedent that allows you to make your case, right? Um, about why your side of the argument is right. Right. You take all those things. You got all these little, little uh, blocks, little puzzle pieces, and your job in writing that brief is to take all those points of law, those little puzzle pieces, and fit them together in a way that leads the reader, the judge, down a particular path to a specific conclusion. Right. right? So in that regard, it's a it's a logic puzzle, right? Well, that's the aspect of designing um, systems in Salesforce and systems that touch Salesforce and sales and marketing operations process that I absolutely love and it's what makes me good at it is that my unique genius, as it turned out, was problem solving, doing puzzles, yeah. right? So it took us a while to get there and we didn't really realize that that's what it was uh, until I took the job at Blue Wolf and it was like, yeah. oh my God, this is... This is perfect. I love this. When you, um, I, I'll, I'll never forget that when you went, I think it was an interview with Blue Wolf and your confidence, once we had made that connection of taking these skills, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, someone said, well, you know, you're a lawyer. How are you? This is, we're technology. We do Salesforce consulting. And I think you looked at him and said, what, what was it you said to him about the bar? Oh, yeah. So, well, so th th I think at that point I had convinced them that I could do the, like, 
the project management piece of it, right? right? I talked through, look, this is very similar to running a lawsuit, right? You have deadlines, you have things that you have to take care of. You've got all of these different components you got to put together, but their concern was, okay, so, but we consult on the Salesforce platform and other, you know, marketing automation technologies. You don't know anything about it. And I was like, you're right. I don't know anything about those things. But at the end of the day, it's, it's software. I can learn that component of it. Um, you know, I, I said, I said, look, I studied for, and pass the California bar exam. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a feed into itself. Right. That's yeah. one of the hardest professional exams that you can take in yeah. any industry, period. Right. Um, so I was like, look, you guys can take that for what it's worth, but I'm pretty sure I can learn to use a piece of software. You know, I did yeah. that. So, um, yeah, it worked. You know, <laughs> they bought no, it. And I- It's huge because two of the main obstacles of people who are listening right now, if they want to leave, are, you know, one, how do I even reposition the skills I have as a lawyer for a non-law job? How do I even think about this? And it takes a while, but you were able to transfer the writing a brief and managing a trial and see how those skills were valuable for for other things in non-law. And then the other one is, how do I convince non-law hiring managers that I, an attorney, can do X or, or do Y. Right. Um, and a lot of it is with the skills and the positioning, but is there any tips? You know, These are two of the main blockers that, that attorneys run into. Any tips or mindset shifts or, or other yeah. guidance you have? Yeah, I mean, you know, part of it, again, again, I'm going to go back to, to Blue Wolf and, um, you know, the scenario doesn't have to be identical to this, but there are certainly ways to analogize to it. And, and part of it was, you know, when I was talking to the folks at Blue Wolf, I was interviewing for a job in a department um, where most of the people in the department, as talented and smart as they were, and they were very smart and talented, they were young. They were yeah. people in their first, second, maybe third job out of college. Um, they were in their middle 20s for the most part. Um, and they were great. You know, they, they were super sharp and hardworking. Um, but one of the points that I made to, to, you know, to the folks that I was interviewing with is, like, look, these, these people all know what they're doing. They're doing great work. But none of them have the career or life experience that I have that I can bring yeah. to this job. You know, I've, you know, I've had once you've been once you've been yelled at in court by a 75 year old grumpy judge. Yes. You know, having a tough conversation with <laughs> uh, no comparison with an annoyed client yeah. is is easy. You know, child's play. Easy. That's funny. Right? Yeah, so, and the thing for me that's so in, funny. in other professions, and you, and you look at lawyers and what we do and what how we've been trained in the bar and everything, it doesn't really matter what kind of law you practice because you have this background that is mostly in business. Now, it's not in the business of law per se, but it's in contracts, it's in litigation, it's and we are exposed to so many different things even in law school, but then we're exposed to so many different types of business transactions and it doesn't matter what it is and then you look at uh, uh, professions like cpas or doctors or anybody because there are plenty of cpas that hate what they do it's not just lawyers that don't like what they do there are so many people that went into various professions doctors there's a big there's a vast majority of doctors that are uh, practicing medicine that don't like it and that has a lot to do with insurance and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but 
people get into jobs for the wrong reasons. They get into career sets for the wrong reasons. But I think as lawyers, we have the best backgrounds that you could ask for when you look at business and going into something mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with the law. Now, when you look at a, a doctor, you take a doctor out of practicing medicine, they usually don't even know how to run a business because a lot of them right. really aren't very good at running businesses, lawyers yeah. do. But regardless, you can't take a doctor and put them into something like you were doing, Gabe, because right, right. they don't have the background to do it. And CPAs don't e- either. So we are very lucky as a profession to be able to take the skill set from whatever we did yeah. and move out into the world and either start our own business or go into a totally different kind of business. And I love I love that you've done that. I think it's, it is going to help a lot of people that are listening to this podcast because I think that is the biggest fear is how can I translate what yeah. I've done in my life and my career into mm-hmm. something that is non-law? That's the end of part one of our interview with Gabe Rothman. I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to continue on with him in episode 12. Join us back here for that. I want to ask a favor of you. If you really are getting a lot of information and learning a lot from this podcast, we would love it if you would share it with others. You know, we're in this as a labor of love for you and the law profession and lawyers in general. And it's only going to get better from here, ladies and gentlemen. There are so many good episodes that we already have recorded, some amazing interviews with some authors and some influencers in the field. Please help us spread the word about this podcast, if you would. Send them the link from iTunes, or go and check us out on YouTube and and share those links as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you in Episode 12.